Hi, this is Sarah McCaslin with the Forgotten Sheep Podcast. And in this podcast, our topic is a missionary by the name of Lars Olson Squaresford. And I know I'm mispronouncing that, but I can tell you it's spelled S-K-R-E-F-S-R-U-D. And I entitled this From Ex-Con to Missionary. So let's talk a little bit about Lars. He was born on February 4, 1840 in Feberg, just north of Lillehammer in Norway. So he was a Norwegian. Now this was a very small community. And even to this day, it's so small it has less than 1,500 inhabitants. Now, in this community where he grew up, uh, his family was poor. And not too much is really recorded about them. We know a little bit about Lars' early years. He had a minimal education, and then he became a blacksmith's apprentice. And he specialized in working with copper. But this wasn't really what Lars wanted to do, and he got very depressed. And he was unhappy with the way his life was turning out. And as many young people sadly do, Lars turned to drinking. And his drinking turned to heavy drinking. And the heavy drinking led Lars to fall in with some very bad companions. And by the time Lars was in his late teens, he had participated in a bank robbery. He was caught, uh, but he refused to name the others that were involved. He refused to be, uh, I guess what we would call more colloquially, a snitch. Lars would never tell them who the others were. And as a result, he was sent to jail for four years. And he's just a teenager. So here he is. He started drinking because he was depressed in the first place. And now he's in prison. And we can only imagine how much worse that depression and that despondency got. However, there was a young lady that cared very much about Lars. She was a good Christian girl too. And she would visit him regularly and encourage him. And, um, you know, visit him at jail and try to get him to rethink the direction his life was taking. And so that's what Lars did. He started rethinking what his life was turning into. Now, here's what's interesting. During this time, unbeknownst to Lars, there had been a major revival in Norway. And the leader of that revival was a gentleman by the name of Hans Haig, and he was a Lutheran lay minister. And he wanted to see the Christians of Norway return to their early Lutheran roots. He felt like the Norwegian church had grown cold. It had lost its its fire. It had lost its true commitment to God. It had basically become a shell of what it once was. And so um, Hans Haig had began to earnestly pray and seek God for revival. And that's what happened. So a revival had broken out in Norway. And that revival reached all the way into the prison cell where Lars was. And, you know, this should always be something we remember, that prison bars, prison cells, and walls and locked doors, they can't keep the Holy Spirit of God out. We can outlaw 
Christianity. We can outlaw Bibles. We can outlaw prayer like they have done in many countries. But even if all of that is outlawed, it cannot keep Jesus Christ away from those who are earnestly seeking him. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, the Bible says they shall be filled. Jesus said, if you seek me, when you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. So, Lars in this prison cell has begun to rethink his life and the Holy Spirit begins to convict him. And Lars begins to repent of the alcoholism, repent of the crime that he's been involved in. And he begins to reach out to the Lord and seek the Lord. Now, as rethinking his life and determined to turn his life around, his jail cell becomes his own personal university. Now, remember his education was limited. Well, guys, education doesn't have anything to do with how smart someone is. It doesn't have anything to do with a person's intellect. A person cannot have an education and still be extremely intelligent. And a person can have an education and still be pretty dumb. Well, Lars decided to turn this time in jail into an educational opportunity. So he began to read everything he could get his hands on, read voraciously. And one of the things that Lars got his hands on was the Bible. And as he began to read and study the Bible, the Holy Ghost began to convict him. And he began to see the wrongness of the life that he had lived. He saw the wrong and the sin in his own heart. And as he studied that Bible, he turned his life over to the Lord and became a Christian. So he went into jail, a heavy drinker and a criminal, a thief, but he is going to come out of that jail, a born again Christian, a man of God. And so as he is studying and he is trying to educate himself and now with the Lord's help, he wants to turn his life around. He discovers that he has a gift for learning foreign languages. And so while he's in prison, he teaches himself German and English. And German's about to become uh, really important for him. Now, um, this is something else that I want to emphasize to people that might be listening to all of us is the importance of jail ministry. While Lars was in prison, he was visited probably more than once by a jail minister, someone that goes to prisons in order to reach people with the gospel and offer to talk with people and pray with people. And so he spoke with a pastor that came to visit, and that pastor had been a part of the revival that had just taken place. And so, as he's speaking with this pastor, the Lord begins to stir Laura's heart, and he decides to turn his attention toward becoming a pastor. And so, to that end, he adds to his studies religious books, um, additional religious books and books on theology. And every spare moment, Lars spent it preparing himself for the ministry. And as he's preparing and preparing, the the call that the Lord is putting on his life becomes 
more in focus. You know, at first it was pastor. He knew he wanted to do something for the Lord. He felt a call something to reach the lost. But as he draws closer to the Lord and as he matures as a Christian, that call comes more into focus and he sees that the Lord is calling him to be a missionary. And so he quickly makes up for his lack of education. And by the time he gets out of prison, he is studying on his own at the college level. So Lars was able to turn a jail jail cell into his own personal university. So eventually, that four years of imprisonment is finished, and Lars is released. So when his jail term was over, he found work in a machine shop, because obviously he needs to be able to provide for himself. So he continues his reading and his studying in the evenings and spends every spare minute he has preparing himself to work for the Lord. So after two years uh, working in a machine shop and preparing himself and studying diligently, he applies to mission training school. He feels, he knows the Lord has called him to missionary work and he applies to a missionary training school. And he was turned down because of his, his prison time. They did not want an ex-con representing their denomination on the missionary field. Well, as we'll see, the loss is theirs and not his. But being still a fairly new Christian, I can't imagine how crushing that had to be. And can we can imagine what kind of things the devil must have been whispering in his ear when that happened. But how crushing, how devastating, how heartbreaking, how hurtful that had to be. How discouraging that had to be to this young man. However, it was the Lord that he loved. Not the missionary work, not the not the Christian work, not the call. It was the Lord. And so even though he was disappointed by not being able to get into that mission school, it seemed as if the door was slammed and locked in his face. He still persisted. He didn't let that turn him away from the Lord, and he didn't let it turn him away from his calling. There is a lot to be said for persistence among Christians. We Christians... We have to be a determined lot to withstand the attacks of the enemy, to withstand the disappointments that come to us. And while we in ourselves may be weak, and we in ourselves may be easily turned aside, easily saddened, easily depressed, the Lord, through His grace, can help us to stand and be determined and persist. And so, If we're having trouble in that area, if we're letting things get us down and cause us to compromise or cause us to become discouraged and turn away from what we know we should be doing, then we need to pray for the Lord to help us to persist and help us to be determined. There is an old song, I am determined to hold out to the end. Okay, we need the Lord to help us to be determined. He will help us to stand. The Bible talks about having done all to stand, we stand. And we stand, guys, in the grace and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Lars did. He did not let this destroy him. He did not let this get him down. He did not let this 
caused him to backslide. You know what he did? He applied at a different missionary school. He entered a missionary training school in Berlin, Germany, that was run by a gentleman called Pastor Gosner. And so he gets there, and remember, he's been studying so much already on his own. He gets there, and he quickly masters Greek, Hebrew, Latin, and Arabic. And I'm lucky to speak English correctly. This young man is definitely gifted in the languages. But that one door slammed shut. The Lord opened another door. He went through it. And you would think, well, surely... The bad times are over. He's in a missionary school. Everything's going to go great now. I'm afraid it doesn't. He ends up being disappointed again. So to save money uh, so that he could attend the missionary school and get the books he needed and everything, Lars lived on bread, cheese, and water for about two years. That's pretty much all he ate. And when he finished his training... He was all ready to be sent out on the mission field, but the Gosner Mission Group would not send him out. Even though, obviously, the Lord had blessed him with this tremendous gift of languages, he had come out of prison, and he was no longer drinking. He was no longer involved in criminal activities. His life had been turned around. There was no doubt this young man was born again and called, and yet they would not send him out. And most likely, Lars felt like it was the old shadow of his past coming to haunt him again. You know, when we're born again and when we repent of our sins, the Bible tells us that Jesus casts it away in his sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against us again. But people tend to remember. And people tend to hold our past against us. But praise the Lord, the Lord does not hold our past against us. When we have been born again and we have repented of our sins, that past is gone. It is no longer associated with us because we are a new creature in Christ Jesus. The Bible says old things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. But sadly, they didn't want to send him out. But it turns out what he saw as maybe an affront against him or a judgment, an unfair judgment against him is actually something that the Lord is going to use. It seemed as if his prison past was casting a shadow over his future, but that shadow was actually coming from the Lord's hand, guiding him and protecting him. Well, despite these disappointments, Lars knew that the Lord had called him to the mission field. And that call had grown stronger and stronger and stronger until he just had to make his way to the mission field. And so he set out on his own, with, uh, on his own responsibility. He set sail for India paying his own way as far as his personal savings could get him, and believing the Lord to take him the rest of the way. And so he made it to Suez and struck a deal to work aboard ship for the balance of what he needed in order to make it to India. And so it said that Lars, who was still a very young man, scoured brass, swabbed decks, reefed sails, and spent his night sleeping on the deck of the ship, 
all so he could make his way to India because the Lord was calling him. There was a passion, a drive in his heart that he could not rest until he was there in India taking the message of the gospel to those the Lord had called him to. So as last night aboard the ship, Lars asked permission to hold a meeting of thanksgiving, thankful for the safe journey. And permission was granted, and all the passengers on the ship gathered together to hear him. And he preached to them in English. Lars had never even set foot in England. He had taught himself English. And he had never even been around many English people. And yet they said his English was so good that the British, the English people on that ship had no problem understanding him. Indeed, this was a gift from God of languages that the Lord had given him. Now, those that were present also commented on what an excellent address he had given. So, Lars is finally in India after setbacks and disappointments. He was determined to fulfill the call of God on his life, and he is in India at age 25. And he wasn't alone. There was another Norwegian that he met in Bible school that was already there in India and was there to meet him, and his name was Borison. And so, both of them had gone out on their own, trusting in God to provide what they needed, and so far the Lord had. And as we'll see, the Lord does continue to provide what is needed. Now, the particular group of people that Lars and his colleague had been called by the Lord to reach are known as the Santal people of India. Now, I apologize. I imagine I'm mispronouncing this, but it's spelled S-A-N-T-A-L. Now, these people are very, very different from the Hindus that make up a large portion of India. Uh, Their presence in India predates many of the other peoples that are found in India. They have a reputation for being very brave. For example, when they were victimized by Hindu moneylenders, they rose up in armed protest and they won. Okay, these people, you don't mess with them. They will do what they need to do to take care of themselves. They're very brave. They were a force to be reckoned with. They're honest, hardworking, and courageous enough to stand up for their rights. They're also excellent hunters. And the major symbol in their culture was always the bow and arrow. They're very dark-skinned. And as far as their religion goes, they're not Hindu, Uh, They believe strongly in a hierarchy of spirits, at the head of which is a supreme deity. And one of the characteristics of their religion is a grove of trees near their villages that they believe is inhabited by spirits. Now, as I mentioned, their cultural symbol has been the bow and arrow. To say that hunting is important to the Santal people would be an understatement. That is a major event for them and includes all the men from the youngest to the oldest. They're also extremely skilled at tracking animals and, of course, skilled with bow and arrow. And when the men arrive home with the results of their hunt, the people wash their feet and uh, thank them And give thanks that they have come home safely. So this is the group that the Lord has sent Lars and his colleague uh, Boren to. 
So their first night in India was spent in a place that had actually been dedicated to demon spirits. And Lars said that overnight, there was a horde of white ants that attacked his coat. And when he woke up in the morning, he didn't have a coat anymore. <laughs> now, guys, I am, I've had my share of trouble with ants in the house. Oh, thank goodness they're not white ants. <laughs> Those things are bad news. So if you can imagine, you wake up and ants have eaten your coat. And he said that they had some their first visitors. And their first visitors were pretty much snakes and scorpions. And, uh, but that's what they, they knew they were getting into this type of situation when they headed out in the mission field. So they got started right away trying to learn the language. Now, Lars said that their language was very difficult for a person from Europe to be able to pronounce, to pronounce the words, to make the proper sounds. And so he got a hold of a mirror, or as they probably called it then, a looking glass, and he would look, watch their mouth and uh, the muscles and tendons they used to pronounce the words and how they had their tongue position, and then he would look in the mirror and try to mimic that, and he did succeed. Eventually, he succeeded. He also started putting together an alphabet and written language for this people because they didn't have a, a written language. So as soon as they uh, landed, as soon as they get up the next morning, they immediately get to work. Now with this hard work and determination to use, to learn the language and using the gift that God had given him for languages, Lars was able to preach to them in their own language within three months and he and Borison they lived among the Santal people they attended their weddings they attended their funerals and even took part in some of their hunting meets <laughs> and he and Borison also stayed busy translating hymns um, Lars would they would base the uh, music for the hymns on the songs that the Santal people already had. They would adapt those songs to hymns so that then the converts would be able to sing hymns and tunes they were uh, already familiar with. And they stayed busy teaching, and within just one year, they were able to baptize their first converts. Now, there's one blot on their record. Okay, and if you guys have been listening to my podcast for long, you know that I try not to gloss over when someone I'm talking about has done wrong. Even the Christian leaders, our Christian heroes that we admire so much, they are not perfect. And they make mistakes. And Lars and his friend, they do have a blot on their record. The German society that uh, approved them but wouldn't finance them, uh, had discouraged Lars from working with Borison because Borison was Danish and Lars was Norwegian. And Denmark was at war with Germany. So we have a Norwegian um, in training at a German missionary school. The German missionary school didn't want the Norwegian hanging out with the Dane because Germany was at war with Denmark. And so Lars and Borison left the Lutheran society and joined a Baptist society. And 
Then they switched back to, I think they switched back to Lutheran, but they wrote home and said that they really hadn't adopted the Baptist belief system. They just agreed to it so that they could be uh, financed and supported by this missionary society. And that's dishonest, and that's wrong, and there's no way around that. That was wrong, uh, wrong what they did. But they soon left the Baptist group, probably because they felt guilty over their dishonesty. No doubt the Lord, the Holy Ghost, convicted them of that because you don't uh, justify doing wrong because good will result. That's not how things work. And so they, they did um, eventually form their own group called the Santal Mission and returned to their Lutheran roots. And by 1890... They had 6,000 converts. The ex-con that the Norwegian Missionary Society didn't want to send out because it might not look good had won 6,000 converts to Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us the Lord does not look on the outward appearance, but he looks on the heart. And as I said earlier, the Lord doesn't hold our past against us because when we're born again, that past is separated from us as if it never happened. Now, in the eyes of other people, that's a different matter. But with the Lord, he doesn't care. Once you're born again, that is not to be held against you anymore. Well, within a year of Lars' arrival in India... Guess who joined him and married him? The young lady, Anna Olson. The young lady that visited him in prison and encouraged him to turn his life around. The young lady that was a light in his darkness. The young Christian girl that didn't give up on him. She ended up joining him in the mission field and marrying him. And then their work progressed from there. Now, here's something else interesting. Uh, their mission group, the, the Santal Mission, had noticed that the Santal tribe was being oppressed unfairly by their neighbors. Now, Lars believed that missionary work should help both the spiritual and physical lot of the people. And so he started working to obtain British protection for the Santal people so they wouldn't be taken advantage of like they were. Now, here's something else I like. Lars believed that missionaries should respect the culture of those they are reaching. They shouldn't try to change the culture. They shouldn't. Lars, as a Norwegian missionary, was not going to India to turn the Indians into Norwegians and say that was Christianity. No. He believed that our culture is to remain a part of us as long as it's not coming in opposition to what the Bible teaches. And so he didn't try to change them. He didn't try to change their culture, their way of life. He presented the Bible to them, and he would show them where their way of life was in opposition to the Bible. But outside of that, that wasn't his concern. And that's one of the reasons why he began to study their traditional myths. And he became so impressed with them that he put them together in a book. Now, um, remember I said that the Santals had no written language? Well, Lars created a written language for them with the gift that God had given him for languages. And that allowed their language, 
their myths, their traditions, their cultures to be preserved and shared outside of their own community. And then he went to work translating the Bible into their language. Where he found the energy to do all this, I do not know. But that's what he did. He and Borison also wrote a book of hymns set to their own native tunes and wrote textbooks for schools that their missionary group started. So he wrote a lot of books and he was very busy. Uh, and as I said, and I want to emphasize this again, Lars believed that missionary work should help both the spiritual and physical lot of the people. And so he wanted to make sure that they were able to read uh, in part so that they could read the Bible in their own language, that they were able to do math and arithmetic, that they had the education they needed to be able to uh, survive, uh, to continue to survive. Now, I mentioned that he built schools. Besides reading and the other basics, they taught practical skills. As I said, helping them to survive as... uh, as the nation of India evolved and changed with the times, they needed to also be able to adapt and change with the times. And so he taught farming, carpentry, and animal care. And he encouraged them to become self-sufficient farmers and succeeded at this. They were able to learn how to farm. And he did all of this respecting their culture. He never felt that because he was Norwegian or he was a European that his culture was superior. He respected their culture. Just because our culture is different from someone else's doesn't mean one of them is better. We need to respect the cultures of other people. And so uh, another aspect of his practical approach, uh, and I quote, it is heathenism. We want to get rid of. Not their national character. So again. He respected their culture. He didn't try to destroy it. He didn't try to turn them into many Norwegians. Or many Englishmen. Okay. He also wanted to give them their own church. He believed that they should have a church. That not run by missionaries. But run by the Santal people themselves. And he succeeded in all of these endeavors. And then later on, Lars had the opportunity to visit the United States, including Minneapolis, around 1895. And the result of his vision was the American Board of the Santal Mission, which merged in 1972 with the World Mission Prayer League. And to this day, they consider Lars to be one of their founders. So... um, Eventually, Lars' work came to an end. He died in December of 1910 at the age of 70. And this is pretty old for a missionary to India, especially at that time. When you consider how drastically different the climate in India is from what people um, of Norwegian descent would be used to. Now, he was buried in Santalistan among those he loved and worked so hard for. And his grave lies outside the church he helped to build with his own hands. Now, his legacy has lived on. 
In his lifetime, Lars mastered 42 different languages and dialects. He wrote books related both to language and missionary work. Now, Lars was so skilled that once, after preaching to the Bengalis of India, one of their leaders cried out, This is the way that our language should be spoken. He had mastered it so well that they felt like it was the perfect example of how it should be spoken. What a tremendous gift and what a tremendous thing that he took that gift and it was used, he laid it on the altar so that it was used for the glory of God. It was used by the Lord. When he died, Lars was said to have been instrumental in converting 20,000 people to Jesus Christ. The mission that he established grew into a church with more than 150,000 members. That church is governed by the Santal people themselves. And his work reached beyond the borders of India and into Bangladesh. And in the 1950s, it became an independent institution, the Northern Evangelical Lutheran Church. And the Santal Mission Society is still in existence today. So, a couple of things to take away from this gentleman's life. Number one, the Lord can reach in to any place and deal with someone's heart. Lars was in prison as a teenager. He was there because he had helped rob a bank. He had uh, gotten into a mess through drinking and hanging out with the wrong crowd. And yet the Lord was still able to reach through those prison bars and convict his heart. And he was born again. And the second thing, and again, I want to emphasize this. The Lord does not hold our past against us. Lars was an ex-con. He had been in prison. He had been a bank robber. He had been a heavy drinker. And while that one missionary society couldn't look past that, the Lord Jesus looked at Lars and he didn't see that anymore because the Lars standing before him was a new creature. He had been born again by the power of the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ and he was a new man and all those things it didn't matter anymore because Lars was a new creation a new creature born again and the Lord didn't hold any of that against him and even while the missionaries might look sideways at him as if maybe he wasn't worthy to be on the same level with them the Lord didn't care. That's who the Lord picked. The Lord picked that young man in jail for bank robbing and used him to win 20,000 people to Christ. That's something else, too, to remember. The Lord, the Bible tells us the Lord uses the foolish things to confound the wise. He doesn't pick the biggest, the strongest, the most powerful, the most wealthy, the most respected. That's not how the Lord works. He once spoke through a donkey. <laughs> and you know, that should give us all hope that we too can be used by the Lord. It doesn't matter what our past is. It doesn't matter what our weaknesses are. It doesn't matter how discouraged we might be. The Lord can still use us. We may not be the smartest. We may not be the healthiest. We may not be the most knowledgeable. But if we love the Lord, He will help us. 
us and we can fulfill his will. And that is exactly what Lars did. He set himself to fulfill the will of God. And when disappointments and discouragement came his way, when he was discriminated against because of his past, when doors were closed in his face, he persisted and pursued the Lord and was determined determined to fulfill the will of God no matter what anybody said and that determination bore fruit and so Lars is an encouragement to us that no matter what our situation the Lord can reach us the Lord can save us the Lord can give us a brand new start and use us in ways that we can never even imagine and so I hope that the story of Lars Scarisford has encouraged you And I want you to also remember, if you have loved ones that may be followed in a path similar to Lars, and they're involved maybe in crime, maybe they're in prison, maybe they're in drinking and taking drugs, keep praying for them. The Lord can still convict their heart, and they still can be born again and have a brand new life in Christ Jesus. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this.